0: We are in our second week of the whole series. Pastor Rick gave a great sermon kicking off this series last week. If you haven't heard it, please go back and watch that sermon kicking it off with heart. And now we are into soul. And so we kind of looked at this verse and we'll probably keep going back to it, kind of refresh ourselves at the anchor verse that we are rooted into through this series, kind of where we're getting the idea of, our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, let's dive back into Mark 12 and kind of remind ourselves kind of where we're getting this idea. So follow along as I read. We're in Mark 12. This is picking it up in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Pastor Rick did a great job reminding us of, man, what a trap that is. The rabbis counted. There are 613 commands that they counted in the law. They come up to Jesus like, which one's the best? If it's me, I'm like, I plead the fifth. This feels like a trap. Like, Number 212, I don't know. Stop. Like Jesus doesn't bat an eye and goes right at the heart of the question. Listen, if you are a Christian, I don't care if you're anybody you should perk up at his answer. Did you hear the question? What is the most important? Like, I'll give you a little secret, a trick that pastors do. We try to convince you that whatever passage we're in is the most important passage in the whole Bible. We do that, we come at it honest. I don't need to do that trick. This is Jesus answering what is the most important you should want to know his answer of what is the most important thing. I looked up the Greek for that. Most important means most important. Muì importante. Ost me importante. I'm fluent in piglat. You might not have known that, but, you know, I'm bilingual, I guess. But. Listen, folks. God in the flesh is going to tell you what the most important thing is that you need to know. And he goes on and answers the question for them. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, he's quoting the great Shema from the Old Testament. If you ever wonder where that comes from, here, that word that starts that verse in Hebrew is Shema. So that's where we get this idea of great Shema. So he's quoting that. And that was the pinnacle kind of verse for Jewish life. They would recite it every morning. Morning and evening, they'd have a flow. They would start with reciting this. And now if you don't hear anything else, what if you just did that? Like, for the rest of this series, hey, for the rest of your life, what if you just started off your day with this? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Wouldn't your day start better as opposed to just, like, Twitter, uh, social media, weather, email, 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 like, how many of you, that's not that you go to your phone the very first second you wake up? Raise your hand. It's okay. This is a safe place. What if... You start off your day with that as opposed to email, whether social media, social media, social media, social media. Let's just do that. As a, I've been practicing that, and this is what Jesus gives them is the most important, and so we're going to dive into this for four weeks and unpack this. So we are on this week with, with all your soul. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. And I can tell you this has been a fun journey. Part of it is, it's kind of taken me, God's word, kind of down paths I wasn't expecting as I began to study his word more. Cause I'll give it to you, I'll be honest, as a pastor, even starting like, all right, I got to teach on how do you love the Lord God with all your soul? And I was like, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right? Like, think about it as we think of the different things that we said. Like, I have a category. Right? Even just think of a body part. Okay, I know where my heart is, and I have a category for that. You know, next week we're going, how do you love the Lord your God with all your mind? I have a category for that. Where do you point when love the Lord your God with all your soul? Okay, I'm going to try that. Mm. Like, what does that mean? And here's the danger, right? The biblical thought. Like, there is some idea of body and soul, how we can kind of separate these. And we are eternal beings. But you need to understand, separating body and soul is very much the exception of biblical thought. And there is great danger when I can separate my soul from me and my body and who I am. And that is a great problem the church has always dealt with. Because I can just worship God with my soul and separate it from me and who I am. Can you see the great danger? So when I picture a soul, I just picture like this haze. And it's, I, I can't connect it with my life. And so therefore, I can separate it from my life, and there is great danger in that. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at when the Bible talks about our soul and spend some time because it is, you know, so out there. What is the soul? And how can we worship God with our whole soul? So we're gonna dive into some verses. Here's one from Acts 7. <clears throat> And Jesus sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. You may be asking yourself, that verse doesn't have the word soul in it. It does. Same Greek word. Maybe you could find it in there. They just translate here as persons. So we think soul is this kind of separate, kind of hazy thing inside of us. But in biblical thought here, that clearly is just referring to people. So I can rightfully say, and I think you'd pick up on it, man, this morning, what a privilege. Man, over a thousand souls are going to come into our building this morning. Did I, am I saying that a bunch of ghosts are going to kind of, you know, float around? No. You instantly know I'm talking about people. When it talks about a soul, you know, you are a soul. You are a person, a being. I like this verse coming out of Luke as well. It says, Luke 12, 19. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I like this verse because I talk to myself. Again, who here talks to yourself? This is a safe place. We've already said it. It's fine, hands down. That had nothing to do with the sermon. I just want to know who my people are. Thank you. Like, isn't that a fun verse? Like, I say to my soul, soul, what is it, soul? Like, but do you get kind of the picture, right? Like, that inner dialogue that happens, whether, you know, for some of us it comes out loud too, but that inner voice, that is you. That is your soul. That is your personality. That's who you are as a person. When the Bible talks about soul, It's talking about you. That's how a lot of times it's just translated me or I. Instead of saying my soul, it'll just say me. It is what is you. I think the easiest translation is just life. It is your life. Maybe to hear it this way would be helpful. You don't have a soul, you are a soul. Your inner reality, your life, your personality. The entirety of what makes you you is your soul. And again, I, we don't want to separate that too much from our bodies. That's a big part of who we are. And even through eternity, we will have resurrected, glorified bodies. It, it is what it, it means to be us in its entirety, right? So your soul is your life. And so what does it look like to worship God with our Whole life. It was fun. I had a recent conversation with my son like two days ago. And he snuggles up to me. He's like, Dad, I'm like, what's up, bud? He's like, why is your belly so big? It's <laughs> like, well, one, thanks for asking and noticing, son. I, I lack discipline and portion control. I think it's the main. <laughs> like the main kind of reason to to answer specifically what... And I will tell you this about my discipline. So, you know, I got to travel some over the summer, and I can tell you one where I lack discipline when we're traveling. And no matter what, if I'm at a hotel that has breakfast, 100% of the time, I will use that waffle maker. You know, the one where like, boop, 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 you pour it in. I love the whole thing. I like the pouring it in, the beeping, the turning... I will, no matter how keto, no matter how intermittent whole I'm at that moment, I'm going to eat one of them waffles, and I might put some peanut butter on just to be safe too. I love those things. Why did I just spend a lot of time in the sermon talking about waffles. Here, my soul, me, loves some waffles. My soul is not, now think of the shape, right? Don't think of your soul as a waffle, right? Just all those compartments, all those little different squares. And that's how I think some of us so often can worship God. We have a nice little religion box in our life, right? We have a little compartment in our life. And we call that our belief in God. And notice, we have so many other compartments. Well, I have my job, and I have my hobbies, and I have all these things, and now God just becomes one of the compartments, and we have a nice religion box in our life. To worship God holy is not to give one of God one of the little compartments in your life. That is what is essentially the opposite to worship God holy, And I remember growing up, I was raised Catholic, and I had a belief in God, right? So that was one of little boxes, you know, where do you believe? I believe in God. And I had a little bit of a religion box. But that compartment was inconsequential to everything else in my life. That little square impacted nothing else about how I lived my life. Halfway through high school man, I heard the gospel and I prayed to receive Jesus and I kind of got another little square of salvation. Okay, now, man, I got an eternity kind of compartment and I can turn to God for that. But I wasn't discipled. I didn't know what that meant. Like, yeah, I prayed and my sins are forgiven. I think I'm going to heaven. So I prayed and I'm like, all right, God, like, we cool? Catch you next Sunday? Good, all right, well, I'll see you next Sunday unless I die. And then, because I had now kind of a salvation box and compartment in my life. But again, very separate from everything else in my life. And finally, when I got to college and got in crew and started to get discipled, I started to realize what it meant to worship God with my whole soul, my whole life. It's like, wait a minute. So to be a Christian, that's not just a Sunday thing. We're talking like Monday through Saturday. Like not just a part of life. Like my whole life should be impacted by my being a Christian in that moment. It was just like, boom. (laughs) Did it come up? Because That's kind of the boom part. I mean, it was like whoa, like I had no idea that, man, this meant it should affect everything about my life. How many of you sitting here, man, you have a box for God and he sits in Sunday and it goes nowhere else. It should be so much more than that. All of who you are. But we think Okay, I give God Sunday. I give God a little bit of religious activity. Maybe even I give him 10 minutes in the morning. I might have another box for him. The prophet Isaiah speaks to this wrong view of being a disciple where, man, we give God some religion, and then he gives us what we need. Look at Isaiah 1 together. How does God view being put in a religious box? When you spread out your hands... I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Do we really think we can totally live for ourselves but get some religion in our life and then God all of a sudden is just going to give us everything we need? Listen to what he says. I want... All of you, I want a relationship with you, not a little bit of religion. And if you think you can just give me a little bit of religion and then pray to me, God's like, la, 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 la. I'm not listening. It doesn't work that way. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. That's not how it goes. But we think, oh, no, I can get a little bit of religion. And then all of a sudden, God owes me. He says, that is not the deal. I mean, i scene seen in Jerry Maguire... Right? They kind of have this marriage in the beginning where it's just not there. And he says that. He's like, what do you want from me, my soul or something? I don't know if you remember that scene. And again, we can easily translate that. You want, you want me to give you everything? She says, why not? I deserve that. And if Dorothy Boyd can deserve that from Jerry McGuire, cannot God Almighty deserve any less from us? Do we give our whole selves to God or is God just one little part of our life? He gets Sundays, maybe even Wednesdays, maybe even your mornings. But hey, Saturday night, Friday night, those for, I was was from Kent College, Thursday night, that's for sure mine, God, that's, you know, I'll do you on Sunday, I get get Thursday nights. That is not the gig as a pastor, I can just read kind of Christian books and theology books, and I want to expand more, but I'm not a huge fiction reader. I just started listening to Harry Potter with my kids. You heard of that? It's really good. <laughs> but outside of that, I'm not a big fiction reader, so I'll read a lot of true stories and biographies. So I read uh, li- more audiobooks. So I was listening to Grant, Ulysses S. Grant, the famous Civil War general and president. I only got 13 hours in, and then somebody spoiled it for me. Turns out the North won, so I'm like, I'm not. I knew they won. Stop it. I just, it's a 50-hour listen, so I I was losing momentum. But within 13 hours, I got to the place. There was a couple things I learned. So Ulysses S. Grant, he doesn't have a middle name that begins with S. That was- I mean, that's one of the famous initials, right? That's like Dwight D. Eisenhower, you know, Harry S. Truman, like Ulysses S. Grant. That's not his middle name. And I know what you're thinking. What? <laughs> it's the last one. Stop. I swear. We'll keep going. But no, seriously, when he goes to West Point, it was like a clerical error. It was like he filed the paperwork wrong, and it was so cool, he just stuck with it. So not his name. Ulysses S. Grant was a clerical error. Stuck with it. But I also... Learn this. He was, you know, kind of famous more for being a general than president. And I got to the story where I heard about this letter. You can't read it, but it just looks cool. I'm going to put it up there. This is the letter he sends right after the North's kind of, one of their first major victories in the Civil War in Fort Donaldson. It's February of 1862. So he defeats General Buckner. And he overtakes the fort, and they were actually buddies at West Point. You know, it's a civil war, so they a lot of generals knew each other. So General Buckner realizes he's got to surrender, and he thinks, man, my good old pal Grant, man, I wonder if he'll go easy on me. So he sends a letter asking for, hey, what are the terms? Let's negotiate this out. Like, okay, you won, but hey, what do I get? What do you get? Grant sends back this letter. Listen to this letter. This is great. General Buckner, sir, I just received your request to settle terms. No terms except unconditional and immediate surrender can be accepted. I propose to move immediately, respectfully. Ulysses S. Grant. Isn't that great? (laughs) That's a big boy move. His initials, which weren't his, He actually gets famous in the papers and they start calling him Unconditional Surrender Grant. And he gets that moniker. Terms. Immediate and Unconditional Surrender. That is what surrender and worshiping with your whole life is. How many of us? Okay, I'm going to come to God. All right, God. God Almighty. Why don't we hash out some terms? What do I get to keep in this? What's yours? And we think we can go to God and say, okay, you know, my kids, you know, you can have me, but my kids, those are mine. You don't get those, uh, maybe finances, my relationships that I know necessarily aren't God honoring, but hey, you you can have me, but you can't have that part of me. So we're going to go ahead and shut that down. You know, hey, I mean, God, I'm open to your terms too. You know, do you want another day outside of Sunday? Let's hash this out. Whole. I love that. No terms except unconditional and immediate surrender. So some of how do we do this, some ways it's looking or how aren't we doing this? What terms are you still hashing out with God? What parts of your life have you still closed off from him? It was a great booklet, kind of really impactful. It just creates a great picture. It was called My Heart, Christ's Home. It was just a cool picture of like our soul, our life represented a house and how kind of we can allow God to invite him into our house, but how we can still close off a couple doors. Okay, God, I'm gonna become a Christian, but hey, you know, my relationships, my all this, I'm gonna close a couple of these doors, you know, so we before we can hash out some of these terms of this agreement. So it was just a great picture of what does it look like to give God access to all of you. And that's kind of when I to spend the rest of our time looking through a big parts of our life and our personality and essentially doors that we've kind of closed to God and said, no, God, you can't have that one. You get my Sundays, you get worship, you get a couple of those things. So let's walk through three ways, big parts of our life and our soul that we can close off to God. One... You know, our pleasures, our hobbies, our personal interests. And it's easy to think, oh, I didn't know God wanted those. Like, I thought that was just kind of me time. That's what I tell you know, my wife and kids. This is me time. I could, maybe I could just tell God that. But if that is a big part of who you are, that's actually a part of the word soul. It is. Actually, there is a body part it's affiliated with. The first guy I listened to, he said, you know, it's affiliated with your gullet. Like easy 1950. Nobody says gullet anymore. It's your throat. But a big part of worshiping God with your soul, it is what pleases you. What do you enjoy? And we are to worship God with all of those things. This is a famous verse, 1 Corinthians 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Does God, is that one of those doors that you've closed off to God? And no, my hobbies, my pleasures, my fun is totally separate, and God doesn't get in, to inform any of that. But listen, this is about food, right? What we take in, what we consume, shapes us. Does God get to shape the things that shape you, or are you just kind of closing that off To him so are you consuming things to the glory of God see I thought we just worship God here and that box was enough do you worship God in these boxes right can you say what you're consuming I had and even in my life I've had to back off of news because it was shaping me in a way that wasn't shaping me in a God honoring direction everything you're telling me what you're consuming like, no, I watched two hours of reels to the glory of God. <laughs> eh. What about here? Does God have that access to that? Do you think about it this way? What if, what if I hacked in to your Netflix account? And I did. I've hacked into your account and I'm going to put it, no, I did it. <laughs> but if, If your account, whatever streaming you're on, if I put up kind of your history, would you be, you know, amen? Or if it was your turn, would you be like, oh? Would you be embarrassed? Because God wants all of you, but we just feel like, no, I can keep that separate. It doesn't matter. My entertainment is separate from my worship. I almost, for the logo, put the old DVD sleeves Who here, again, raise your hand, had Netflix DVDs mailed to your house at some point? It was crazy. Like the postman would bring a DVD and put it in your mailbox. It was wild times. (laughs) Part of the reason I bring that up, because I think this isn't talked about enough. It was a subtle shift when we went to streaming that I think was not so subtle. See, when cable and TV was the only game in town, there were restrictions There were certain things you couldn't show. But then when we went away to streaming, all of a sudden quietly like, "How? wow, that's convenient. All those restrictions went out the window. Ten years ago, you know what we called it? Pornography. Now, what do we call it? MA. Doesn't that sound a lot nicer? I don't watch pornography. I just watch MA shows. (laughs) Like, you know, mature audiences. Doesn't that sound nice? Like, well, hey, may. I'm, I'm mature. I'm darn near refined. I can watch that show. <laughs> and we just unquestion, watch stuff. And I know this is a tough one, because if you were raised in like a legalistic church where to be a Christian meant just don't watch R-rated movies, and it was clearly legalistic. And I think sometimes we can just swing the pendulum. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I watch, how much nudity. It's fine as if that doesn't shape us, and as if, you know, God can't speak into kind of our personal entertainment. And so I want you to think, okay, man, is there some areas of your life and your own entertainment you need to surrender to God? That's kind of our pleasures. That's a big part of who we are, but a big part of our life, kind of not just our present entertainment, but what about our plans and our future? Is that something that God can speak into in your life? Again, most of my decisions, you know, before I was discipled, I thought, yeah, I go to church, and then I pick the career I want. I pick the job I want. I pick the spouse I want, as if that was something totally separate from the God compartment in my life. Some of you right now have major decisions you're making. Should I take this job? Should I move? Should I stay here? And we're making all these, and almost all of us have some level of plans for your life. Let me just ask you, did you just make those plans? Or those God's plans for your life? Look at this Old Testament verse, Joshua 9 14. So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask the counsel, did not ask counsel from the Lord. This is another people coming to Israel and they're going to partner together and they got to decide this. And I intentionally didn't give you a bunch of context because you don't need to know it. So Israel has to decide, God's people decide, should I partner with them? And the Bible just slips in this little tidbit. And they went about these plans and didn't ask God. How do you think that went for them? Raise your hand if you think that went great, like just awesome. Raise your hand if your guess is this went bad. So obvious, isn't it? Is it that obvious? Like your plans, are you consulting God and allowing Him? Are you asking Him to speak into it? I love that it says ask. Does God get to inform your plans for your life, your big choices? And I love, again, that it says ask. I think of like when a guy goes to ask, you know, his girlfriend's dad for permission in marriage. And I know sometimes, you know, there's that, do you ask for permission or do you ask for blessing? And how often I think we fudge in that with God, right? You're like, no, no, this is a big decision. I'm praying about it. Let me ask you this. Are you praying that God is going to bless the thing that you're going to do? Or are you praying, asking God what to do? You catch the difference? Mostly, yeah, I'm praying about it. I'm praying God, please bless this decision that I've made. And, you know, I'm hoping you're on board. I remember a guy, it was a, it was wonderful. He's trying to worship God with his whole soul, had, you know, a job opportunity, a huge, you know, a great opportunity, a step up, you know, a step up the ladder. And he came to me and said, you know what? But my Christian community here at Redemption is good. I'm, my life is going well. I don't want to make a career decision that's going to be bad for me as a disciple and as a man and turn down a promotion because he knew he can be a better man, husband, and Christian by not taking that job. That's what it is to worship God with all of who you are. You don't just get to make plans for yourself and then check in with God and ask for his blessing later. Does God... Get to inform your decisions you're making. Not just informed. Does he have final say? That's kind of our future plans. How about we end with this one? A big part of who we are isn't just our future. What about our past? If you think over my break, I stopped alliterating. You were wrong. It's three Ps, baby. This would be a fun one to end on. Right? huge part of what shapes us is our past, what we've done, what's been done to us, and that one for sure is too dark, and we shut that door, lock that one. God, I'll serve you. I'll go wherever moving forward, but let's keep that out of it. That was a big part of my view of discipleship, I thought, okay, when I kind of got to college, hey, moving forward, you know, no need to get into that nastiness. Let's just go forward. And I remember in college, we would go to, like, all my buddies' hometowns, like, man, let's go down to Fairborn, go Skyhawks. We went down to Zanesville. We're going to check out that y bridge. Hey, why don't we go back to Pittsburgh? That's not. Let's just keep that door closed. Let's just start moving forward. And even on my time off, that was a big part of kind of what I was doing business with God because I realized so much of that I was still keeping from him, keeping in the dark, not speaking to God about those things. I actually went back to my hometown, spent some time. That's the house I was raised in. It didn't look that bad 20 years ago. But it was, and still is, just a picture of just some of the difficult things and places where I came from, and I just preferred to move on from that. And that upper room there in the left, that was my bedroom, and I remember just meeting with another pastor this week, and I said, yeah, this is where I came from. And he said, you hide it well. I said, yep, and that's the problem. Because that is a big part of who I am, and I don't need to identify with it. I don't need to identify with my past mistakes. I am new in Christ, but as you keep that door shut of that horrible thing that was done to you that nobody knows about, that you can't speak about, it shapes you and keeps you from being whole. What about loving God with all of who you are, and if you are still holding on to lies... From who you were? What if you open that door and allowed Christ in? And we're just afraid it seems too dark. As if opening that casts a shadow over who you are. But that's not how Jesus works. He doesn't become overcome with darkness. He shines a light. What if becoming whole, you finally open up that dark closet to him? Maybe it is intense, and that is, you know, going to a Christian therapist and a clinician working through that trauma. Maybe it's just for the first time saying, okay, God, can you speak into this? And maybe you can even use this. But that is a big part of who we are. I, as much as I want to deny, that's where I came from. And that's kind of who I was, and it shaped me, and I don't want to be shaped by the lies of what that told me. And that was part of the journey these last couple weeks for me, like, okay, Jesus, come in. I'm tired of believing these lies, and I, it was a great line from kicking off the sermon, right? To love God holy is to be whole. He is for you. He is good. To open all the doors of your life, whether it just be your personal life, your people, your relationships, all of it, he's not trying to punish you. He longs to heal you. What if you were to just let him in and say, okay, God, I'm letting you out of the box. Here is me. You can have all of me. I'm not holding back. I want to bless you with my soul and maybe you're a christian and you know what doors you've closed to him but maybe you know you're not whole you're not a christian you're broken and you've never let him in that front door i want you to know today this morning it says he stands at the door and knocks would you let him in so he can heal you make you whole so you can wholly serve him. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, God, it feels scary. God, I think you're going to mess up my plans for me, my family, my kids. I feel like all the things that bring me pleasure that I'm not going to be able to have fun anymore. God, I feel the fear of allowing you into my past. But as we just sang, you are good. God, would we no longer believe lies? Would we never no longer close off parts of our life to you as if somehow we can manage those better than you? You are good. You are God. You long to heal and give us good things would we believe that today? And God, give you access to our entire life, our soul, that we would worship you holy this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.